brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Now, Hunt Palmer. Hunt Palmer on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. Holding down the middle of the day. Live from the Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge Studios. This is Hunt Palmer. Hour number two on a Tuesday, Hunt Palmer Show, 104.5 ESPN, Baton Rouge. Fired up for Thursday. Going to be opening day in Major League Baseball. We will be out at Rally Cat Brewing from 3.30 to 5.30. Watching some baseball, enjoying their delicious beers over there at Rally Cap. Just chatting it up. And it's also kind of a de facto tailgate party for LSU in Tennessee at 7 o'clock on Thursday night. So I'll be out at Rally Cap, Rally Cap from 3.30 to 5.30. So off Segan, and uh, then at 5.30, I'll head over to the box, and we'll get ready for Tigers and Vols. So hope to see you all out there at Rally Cap, 3.30 to 5.30 on on uh, on Thursday. We'll have some delicious beers. We'll be cooking up some brats as well, so it should be a good time out at Rally Cap. All right, uh, SEC basketball is in the rearview mirror. Everybody is out. Nobody left in the Final Four. So I got the, got the old grading pen out. I'm going to tell you what I think. There are a lot that goes into this. It's your expectation level, your talent level, what went on throughout the course of the season, and of course, how you finish things does matter. Um, I talk all the time about how I don't necessarily grade the college baseball season and where the program is based on one weekend in June. Sometimes things just don't quite go the way you think, and it's a baseball game, and it happens. And in basketball, that can sometimes be the same case. Have a terrible shooting day, catch a red-hot 15 seed, whatever the case may be, but you can also redeem yourself in March if you didn't have the season you wanted to have, and you can make a run. And so I weighed it all in and gave my grades. I'm going to go down in terms of the – I'm just going to do the SEC standings, and then I'll give my grades as I list the teams off. Bama went 31-6 and this year. They won the league, went 16-2, and won the SEC tournament, and they made it to the Sweet 16. In the non-conference, they beat Houston – they raced through the SEC. You had the SEC Player of the Year. You were the number one national seed. Hard to give too difficult a grade when you have that kind of success. But you got beat in the Sweet 16. Did not make the Elite Eight. Did not make the Final Four. Did not push for a national championship. So what are we grading on here when San Diego State beats you? I give them a B plus. That's a lot of really good body of work 
to just have it go south over the last 20 minutes of the season. I can't give you a D or an F because you were really, really good and you had a bad 20 minutes. But I can give you a B plus. It's not an A. It's just not an A. When you're that good, that talented, have that kind of season, and you don't even get to the, the Elite Eight. B plus for me on Bama. Texas A&M, 25-10 on the season, 15-3 in league play. They get to the NCAA tournament, and you lose in the first round. Now, I, I look at this whole picture, and it's an A&M team that lost to Wofford, lost to Boise State, lost to Murray State in the non-conference. That stuff counts, but when you get to SEC play and you rip off a 15-3 and record, that's impressive. And I think should have been rewarded with better than a 7 seed. But they didn't play very well in the first round of the tournament. Out. To me, it's an A. And, you know, it may not look as good if they don't struggle in November and December because they were so good at the end of last year. The expectations ratcheted up, and then they kind of bottomed out again when you have such a poor December. But I give Texas A&M and Buzz an A because that's a really impressive run through the SEC. And I think the committee kind of shorted them one. Kentucky finished third in the league, 22-12, and 12-6 and six overall. Got to the second round of the NCAA tournament. Um, so to me, it's not a failure, but it's not great. In the SEC schedule, Kentucky with the reigning National Player of the Year and a two-time SEC assist leader and a Conference Player of the Year that you brought into your program and a couple of five-star recruits, you lost to South Carolina? You lost to Georgia? In the non-conference, you played Michigan State? Lost. You played Gonzaga? Lost. Played UCLA? Lost. Ah, C-plus for me. C-plus. You, you won a tournament game, so not just a colossal failure, but to me... That's a C-plus for Kentucky. Missouri finished fourth in the league. They were 25-10, and 11-7 in league play. Got to the round of 32. And then you lost to Princeton. Princeton? That's tough. I know Princeton played well in the first round. They played well in the third round. I, I saw it. It was Princeton. But nobody had any expectation for Missouri this year. And they formed an identity of a fast-paced, really offensive, steel-heavy defensive team. And they went 11-7 in the league and won a tournament game. It's an A for me, for Dennis Gates. That program's been sleeping for a while. And he woke it up a little bit. We'll see what he can do in the portal. He's got to go back and, and, and get some new guys. But to me, Missouri gets an A. Tennessee, 25-11. 11-7 and seven in SEC play. They made it to the Sweet 16. Look, this team had three seniors who were battle-tested in SEC play. Santiago Vescovi, Josiah Jordan-James, Juros Plavcic. Those are guys who have been through it. Zakai Ziegler comes in after a really nice freshman year. Pull in Julian Phillips, a five-star. They looked great early in the year, and the defense was phenomenal. Historic, even, how good they were on defense. The offense stunk. And you lost 11 league games, which is not what this team should have done. But you get in the tournament, 
You knock off a scrappy Louisiana Lafayette team, and then you beat Duke. That's still a big deal. And they got to the second weekend. So was it the ending that Vols fans were hoping for as of early January? No, it wasn't. Was it a colossal failure? It was not. It's a B-plus for me for Tennessee. Vandy, 22-15, and 11-7 in league play. They lost in the non-conference to Southern Miss and Grambling. But they won 12 of their last 15, including beating Kentucky twice, beat Tennessee. And they lost in the NIT quarters. For me, for Jerry Stackhouse, I give him an A. They finally started winning some games. They've been coaching well, real well, hadn't recruited well enough. They started winning some games. Good for Vanny. They get an A. Auburn, 21-13. and 13. They finished 10-8 and eight in the league, got to the second round of the NCAA tournament, and gave up 50 points in the second half to Houston and lost. After January the 21st, they were 5-10 and 10 as a basketball team. Just never really got it figured out. For me, for Bruce Pearl, that's a C+. Got to the tournament, won a game. Was it a great year? No, it wasn't. Florida, 16-17, and 17, a losing record, but 9-9 and 9 in SEC play. They lost in the opener of the NIT. Their only SEC wins that were over teams with a winning record were Tennessee and Mississippi State. They lost Castleton late. I know that dings you. First year for Coach Golden. Nine wins is not bad, but it's a B minus for me. You didn't beat anybody that was very good. You didn't do anything in the tournament. I, eh. Fine. Mississippi State, 21 and 13 on the year. They finished 8 and 10 in SEC play. Um, they made the NCAA tournament, lost in the first four to Pittsburgh. But what they did in first year under Chris Jans, they developed an identity as a defensive team. From December the 20th to January 28th, they were 1 and 8. And then they turned it on and won nine of their four, last 13 games to get into the tournament. That's an A for me. Mississippi State, you get an A. Arkansas, this is maybe the hardest one to grade. 22-14, and 14, they were 8-10 and 10 in SEC play. 8-10 and 10 for a top-10 team. But you got to the Sweet 16. So what's more important? Well, obviously, getting to the Sweet 16 is more important than what you do in January. But it just never quite clicked. So I can't give it an A because of the preseason expectations. I think Eric Musselman did a pretty good job coaching this team. At the end, you were just without Trevin Brazil. You had Nick Smith Jr. back. Sweet 16's good. I'll give you a B plus. Georgia, 16 and 16 on the year, 6 and 12 in league play. They lost their last six games by a combined 125 points. They did beat Kentucky. They beat Auburn. They beat Mississippi State. They had some reasonable wins. They finished with a thud. And that hurts. So I'm going to give Georgia a D. I, nice couple of wins. Nothing in the non-conference. Nothing to show for it in terms of postseason play. 6-12 and 12 in the league. Eh, Mike White, back to the drawing board. South Carolina gets a D for me. 11-21. and 21. They were 4-14 and 14 in the league. Of course they came into the PMAC. Of course they did. And made 15 threes. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. They lost to George Washington and Furman. Somehow they beat Kentucky. But South Carolina gets a D for me. Ole Miss, 12 and 21. They finished 3 and 15 in the league. Year seven under Kermit, finished 3 and 15 in the league. That's the only F I'm going to give. That's an F. Failing grade for the Rebels. And your last place team, LSU. Um, 14 and 19 in SEC play, 2 and 16 in the league. I'm going to give it a D minus because I think the situation was impossible. Ole Miss gets an F because they should have been on solid ground. It's year seven for Kermit. Matt McMahon came into a tough spot. I'll give him a D minus. Two and 16, not great. So that's my list of uh, of running through the SEC. Your A's were A&M, Missouri, Vanderbilt, Mississippi State. Your only failing grade, Ole Miss Rebels, who now have a new head basketball coach in Chris Beard. All right. That's uh, a look at SEC basketball for, I guess, the last time. We can put it all in the rearview mirror until LSU starts getting transfer portal guys. So let's take a look at a couple of other things down in uh, in New Orleans here in the next segment. The Saints have added a future Hall of Famer to their staff. And uh, are the Pelicans finding a little bit of groove? We'll talk about that, and then we'll readdress it with Sharif Ishaq. Coming up at 2.30, it's the Hunt Palmer Show. This is Hunt Palmer. You're listening to Hunt Palmer on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. Sean Payton's done a lot of of shopping in South Louisiana for staff members. Obviously pulled Jamar Kane from LSU staff. And if you'll remember, back a couple months ago, added Zach Streif to his staff up in Denver. Streif kind of, um, I don't know if legend's the right word, but has a, a long tenure and a great relationship with the New Orleans Saints and the city of New Orleans as a a really strong player on the offensive line for the Saints, and then obviously as a broadcaster on the Saints radio network. And he went back down to the sidelines to be assistant offensive line coach, and Sean Payton has hired him to be the offensive line coach up with the Broncos. So the Saints made a little bit of a move. Grab one of his contemporaries to be assistant offensive line coach. That is former All-Pro Jari Evans. Evans was fantastic as a player for the Saints, potentially ticketed for the Hall of Fame was a, a tremendous, tremendous player for New Orleans on the interior offensive line on those juggernaut offenses uh, piloted by Drew Brees. And he will join Doug Marone's staff. I'm not in any position to sit here and tell you how qualified Jari Evans is as a coach. I can tell you he was a brilliant player, uh, and I can tell you that he spent some time coaching last year. And there are people, and, and Luke Johnson is the one who broke this story over at NOLA.com, our buddy who, who comes on frequently during football season. He says that many people within the organization have credited Cesar Ruiz's um, strides and, and the improvement that he's made to working with Jari Evans, which sounds very, very good. Um, when you hear Jari Evans talk about Cesar Ruiz, 
Uh, he said he's a good player. He's fast. He can reach guys. I think one of the things that coach is going to emphasize with him is going into the season is using his hands more. I was a big hands guy. I used my hands, didn't allow guys to get into me, just be more aggressive with his hands. And I think he's going to have a big year this year. And that came to fruition as Cesar Ruiz did make some real huge strides. And, you know, the Saints didn't know what they were going to do with McCoy and, and Ruiz. And they both drafted him. We had the COVID deal. And finally, those that dust settled. They figured out where those guys needed to be. And, you saw a an improved interior offensive front when the Saints were healthy. Now they had issues at running back, quarterback, and just the offense never found what it was supposed to be. But we're talking about an offensive line coach here who's going to help the Saints and appears to have helped significantly last year. So a great move there for the Saints to uh, to move Jari Evans up. Is he was a guy who kind of got this opportunity. Um, because he worked as an intern with the team as part of the Bill Walsh Diversity Coaching Fellowship Program, which is aimed at providing NFL coaching experience to talented minority candidates, and that's kind of where this situation came from. So uh, Jari Evans will be assistant offensive line coach for the New Orleans Saints, a spot that was vacated by Zach Streif a little bit earlier this year. Pellies get a win last night. They played kind of the Portland Trailblazers. In a way, it was kind of... Portland, but they got a, a convincing win as Portland was sitting basically everybody, but they don't take that into account when you plug in the standings. They just tell you what happened on the scoreboard, and when the dust settled, the scoreboard was pretty emphatic that the Pelicans had handled the Trailblazers 124-90. to Brandon Ingram got off to an incredibly hot start. He was knocking down shots. He was distributing. He finished the game with 29 points, and you know I think Trey Murphy continues to be um, a nice little piece to this puzzle as well as he added 16. He didn't shoot it well from three, uh, but he did knock down his five free throws and contributed offensively. And I don't bring up Trey Murphy because of what he did last night. I bring him up because of what he's been over the last 22 games, which is a, a real sample size here of what he has become. And it's it's 16.8 points per game. It's three and a half rebounds per game. It's an assist and a half per game. It's a steal per game. And he has kind of found his groove and his role on this team. There's this young nucleus of role players between Herb and Jose Alvarado when he's healthy and Trey Murphy, and you're kind of looking around thinking, okay, what's the future hold? And Trey has kind of ascended. I think at the beginning of last year, we may have thought that Herb Jones was that guy, and he certainly has his role. He's an excellent defensive player, um, and is that almost nightly. And you need that. But Murphy's found his role as well as as a really good offensive player. You think he kind of leans more so on threes, and he does shoot threes at a really strong clip, but he also has some other facets to his offensive game. So that's from an individual perspective. I think as far as the Pelicans go right now, you look up, and certainly after winning four in a row, you are in a much better position than you were in a week and a half ago. You, you beat the Rockets, you beat the Spurs, you beat the Hornets, you beat the Clippers, you beat the Blazers. We talked about this West Coast swing, and the, and the Pels have gotten the first two legs of that, which we felt they needed to because the Warriors are very difficult to beat at home, and we know what the Lakers can be. So, uh, Sorry, you know what the, uh, the Nuggets can be. And so, for me, it's... I'm not going to change my tune completely on the Pelicans because they've won five in a row against bad basketball teams. That's what they've done. They've beaten tanking teams and teams that are sitting half their lineup. And 
teams that are not going to make much noise in the playoffs, sans potentially the Clippers, who did not have their entire roster out there. We know. I'm encouraged at the interest level of the Pelicans and what the next few games can bring as far as getting them to potentially move up in the standings and create more talking points for us. I'm not convinced that the Pelicans have some, somehow found it and that they're doing what they did last year in the last month of the season and, and what they were heading into the play-in when they were able to win a couple of games and get into a real series. I'm not ready to do that. We'll see what Sharif says coming up here in six minutes. But to me, this is beating awful teams. This is not proving much of anything. It's just doing what you're supposed to do. It would be, I would have a visceral reaction to it if they couldn't beat the Spurs or they couldn't beat that Blazers team. I would say, well, this is even worse than we thought. I'm not going to react as strongly on the other side because they've won games against teams that aren't very good. Now, you go beat Golden State tonight? I'll pay attention. Okay. That's different. I'm not suggesting they can't. I'm just telling you, sitting in this chair right here, I'm not ready to flip the switch on the Pelicans and say, oh, you know what they did last year? This is this group's MO. They know Zion's probably not coming back. VI's kind of found it. They're going to be the team they were at the, at the end of last year. Well, old machine. Eh. No, I'm not there because of that because of that game. Yeah, you won by 34 last night. That's great. Do it again tonight. They were able to get some guys off the floor late in the game. Maybe that helps with some fresher legs today. Those back-to-backs, especially on the road, are always tough. But it's good. I want them to win. I want us to be able to talk about it. I want them to create some drama, whether it's missed getting uh, into the playoffs altogether, whether it's getting into the play-in, not necessarily falling all the way out. I don't want that. But I'm glad that they've found a little bit of a groove here. Let's see if they can carry it into tonight against the Warriors. That game will be on TNT, 9 o'clock, our time here in the capital city. Um all right, I want to get Sharif's thoughts on it. One, on a couple of the Saints headlines with uh, with Jari Evans moving in and what he thinks about that. Said that Michael Thomas is not healthy uh, all the way. Dennis Allen gave that update from out west that he's not quite ready to roll, but they're hopeful that he'll be there here in the coming weeks. Get Sharif's thoughts on that. And then what he thinks about uh, this Pelly team and what kind of uh, pr- prospects they have moving forward with the rest of this season, which is coming to an end very, very rapidly. Come back with us. Sharif Ishak from WDSU on the Hunt Palmer Show. This is on Palmer. This is on Palmer on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. Now let's head out to the Jim's Firearms Hotline. We'll find Sharif Ishak, WDSU. Sharif, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing quite well. Uh, are the Pelicans back? Are they an NBA title contender now? Five in a row. Absolutely. <laughs> going to the finals, baby. We're going to go through every single team in the Western Conference, then we're going to win the West, and then take care of business against whoever comes out of the East and sweep them. Sounds like a plan, but what's actually uh, the case after these five wins? Do you feel encouraged? I mean, remember what I told you last week on the phone. When I said they had to win those games at home against those bad teams, yep. which they did. I told you they are a favorable matchup against the Clippers, which they showed because they just continue to own them. And they've won eight of the last nine games in that series for a reason. They just, it's just a matchup nightmare for the Clippers. And then Portland is absolute tank. 
they're terrible. They had nobody playing, and they did what they're supposed to do against a bad team. I like the way they're playing, though. I mean, it's not just winning barely. I mean, they're just absolutely crushing teams. I think they've won by an average of 23 points in the last five games, and you're doing what you're supposed to do. And, and it looks like they're kind of playing with a little bit more confidence, especially defensively, and that, that really is something you need down the stretch here. What's the, what's the difference? I mean, is it is it effort? Is it execution? Is it they're playing teams that aren't playing their full rosters? And what's what does it look like? It's a little bit of everything. Yeah. I mean, you see, Bi Bi is the one who's like locked and focused right now after missing. You know, even he said it after missing those thirty games because of his toe. He feels locked and focused and engaged and ready to go. And with him being the way he's playing right now, being on fire, like in all facets of his game, not just offensively and and passing out the ball. It's just he's playing pretty good defensively as well. And that's what they need. They need him locked in defensively for, to have a chance. For them. But, and like I told you throughout the season, they need guys like Trey Murphy to step up. They need some of these bench players to continue contributing. And you've seen that in the last you know five games. It's always been someone different. And to me, the thing that's been the most impressive is, yeah, it's the defense. I mean, at some point in time, you have to understand the NBA is an offensive game today. But you still have to play some sort of defense even if it's against teams who are tanking, and they've shown that in a five-game winning streak. What do you think about tonight? <sighs> I just don't like this matchup. Like I tell you, like they, it's just they played them there like, a few weeks ago. They had that 17-point lead. It was frustrating to watch them blow that 17-point lead. But you know, it's, a, it's just a team that just shoots well against the Pelicans whenever they play in that building or just in the old building or the new building. It's just not a good matchup for the Pelicans. It's just. Those are one of those teams that just, when they're fully healthy and they're making their shots, so making their shots. If they miss, of course, they're going to get crushed by, by teams like the Pelicans or anybody else, but don't like it tonight. Eight and a half points. I mean, and they lost the other night in horrible fashion to the Timberwolves. So, you know, and then they don't really lose many games at home. So, it's a tough one, man. But if you follow me, anything I say usually stops it. <laughs> that's, that's okay. That's why we have you, uh, so we can predict the future by – just going with the opposite. It's the George Costanza special here on a Tuesday. Um, if they were to win tonight, would that change your outlook on this hot streak? Yes, because I told you that I think four and two is good. Five and one is great. But I told you last week, they, if they can win five or six games, that would make, make me think of, all right, this team is ready to make a push, play in a maybe a five or six seed, get above the playing line. And um, yeah, I mean, winning tonight or even winning in Denver would be great. But, I would like to see them win tonight in a place that's really hard for other teams to win against the champions. So this, tonight's, tonight's win would be way more impressive than beating Denver. And that sounds crazy, but I want to see them beat the defending champions in, um, in complete effort fashion. What would it take to get that done? They do have to play some uh, – they're going to have to play some really good perimeter defense, man, and just can't let these guys get wide open in transition too. There's some times last night in the game where their defense kind of fell asleep and you, they let some of the guys just walk right in for baskets, and just not, just not going. That's not going to work against Clay and, and Steph tonight. That's that type of stuff that can get you blown out on the road. So against a good team, they they have to play better perimeter defense against a team like this. Who's a? I'm going to ask this question in two parts. Who's a bigger piece to this specific team, Trey Murphy or Herb Jones? Well, an amazing question. I will start it off by saying Herb has been playing his best basketball in the last month. Defensively, he's just locking people down. What he did to Kawhi Leonard the other night was yep. amazing. Kawhi was 4-16. He was, I believe, 1-8 of eight against Herb. And that is, I, I would say he is the, the bigger key because 
at least if you throw him on clay or Steph or anyone who's like a pure shooter, he can lock them down and minimize the damage. So to me, I think it's him because he's consistently on the court doing that. And as much as I love Trey going 10 or 12, that isn't happening every night from downtown. So <laughs> to me, it's Herb. Who's a bigger piece to this franchise in the next three years, Trey Murphy or Herb Jones? I think to me, it's going to be Trey Murphy. I think they just invested so much in him, you know, being a first-round pick, and, and you could see that potential. Like, man, there's some games when he goes on those those heaters, and, and he's like, all right. You could see, he, you know, the shooting plus the way he attacks the basket in an offensive league. I think to me it would be him. That would be the, the answer because you need somebody who can spot up from the wing consistently. So I'll take him in, you know, two or three years. How big are these two games for the crowds that will be there against L.A., Sacramento, Memphis, and New York at home, four-game homestand over the course of seven day, eight days? Um, I mean, it, do you think that this place can get reignited if they can go and, and get a couple, get a win, get, split these last two with Golden State and Denver? I even think if they lose both, it's going to be okay. packed regardless, knowing what's on the, what's on the line now, like yeah. playing or playoff seating, you know. I think regardless, packed. But splitting or even winning two, the place is going to explode. The, the roof's going to come off the Smoothie King Center. If you win both of these games, it's just going to be nuts. I mean, plus look at the teams you're playing. You're the Kings, you're playing the Grizzlies, you're playing the Knicks. I mean, those are some, like, really good teams. I mean, you're playing some solid teams. The Clippers, I know they're stumbling, but still, that's a Saturday game. So, yeah, I, think, I expect it to be sold out or close to sold out regardless. So I had this conversation with David Grubb, who we also have on from time to time, talking a little bit of Pels, and it was a couple of days after we had had you on, and there was a new update on Zion Williamson, and said, okay, if he if he can come back and play three games, you know, we're gonna we're gonna give it a shot. Is it worth it to bring him back for three games to try to ramp him up and get him ready to go? Does that help your team? Uh, yeah, tremendously. Yeah, I want him on. He wants to be on the court. He wants to play, and I understand them taking it you know in the patient approach so they don't really injure him long term yeah i'm good with it if he comes back for let's say the you know the second to last home game and you get him you know three games and going into the play-in does anyone want to play that team with a health with a healthy zion what he creates for others and for himself i it, it's it's only a good thing to have him back on the court in so many different ways for this team. Does so, it, yeah. Does it give you a pause to go, man, what's the risk here that he may, like, get hurt again and we don't maybe feel like we're a championship-caliber team? Well, the thing is, is, like, if you're thinking that, then you're thinking, well, if he does it again next season. Yeah. So you're almost not – now you're at a crossroads with his career. If, like, you're scared to play him now, then are you scared to play him next year if you have that same mindset? To me, you can't be scared. Scared money don't make money. You got to throw him out there. He's already missed what almost could be close to three months. You've yep. got to play him. You've got to play him. If he's healthy, good enough to go, you throw him out there. He's missed too many games as it is. So if you can get him out there, it doesn't hurt you at all. I mean, I know the I know the risk factors, but he can also get hurt in game one next year too. Do you think he does play again this year? Oof, man, I think that my honest opinion is I think if he comes back. It's not until the play-in or playoff, like the first game of the play-in or playoff, because we're talking about with two weeks from last Wednesday, the next update, and he's doing some light work. Man, to me, I think it wouldn't be until they they get into that play-in game. <laughs> that would be that would be some drama if you should if you missed the last three months and then played exactly in the first play-in game. How do you think the next two game goes? Next two games go at Golden State tonight 
and then at Denver on Thursday. It's, call me crazy, man. I think they have a better chance to win the game in Denver okay. and than they do tonight. And it's a back-to-back, and I understand they didn't play their starters in the fourth quarter last night. I, I, I don't know. For some reason, I just like when they play against Denver. And I know it's like that sounds crazy talk because they have the joker, but for some reason, it just matches up a little bit better for them than going against a team full of three-point shooters like the Golden State Warriors. So like a split regardless would be great, but I think maybe Denver a little bit more would be a, 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 a game they could win more than Golden State. All right, we'll have a lot of information uh, next time we chat. We'll have those two games plus a game at home against L.A. Uh, we'll be get, getting ready for Sacramento that next Tuesday. So we'll do it again next week. Thanks, Sharif. All right, man. I need at least two of three this weekend against the beautiful Brody Jenner Tennessee Vols. We will do our very dead-level best. I will be there for all three games. I'll, I'll give my best effort. That's all I can promise you. I know you will. All right, Sharif. See you, man. He is Sharif Ishaq, WDSU. I want to remind you once again, one more time, that uh, we'll be out on Thursday at Rally Cap on opening day for Major League Baseball, 3.30 to 5.30, drinking some beers, having some brats, watching some baseball, kind of a pregame party for LSU in Tennessee as well. So I want to invite you all to come on out to Rally Cap, 3.30 to 5.30 on Thursday. Um, it's going to be a great time. I want uh, as many listeners as we can get out there. We will be having a, uh, a big old time. So a reminder, Rally Cap, 3.30 to 5.30 on Thursday. Thursday. Come on, take one more time out. We'll play some take it or leave it and get on down the road on a Thursday. It is the Hunt Palmer Show. Hunt Palmer on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. One Bath and Closets. OneBathandClosets.com is the website. Just picture your dream bathroom. Make it a reality. It starts with a free consultation. It doesn't cost you anything for David Duvall and his team to come out to your home and just chalk you through what they can do for you. And if it's realistic, make it happen. I can promise you this. David Duvall and his team are going to put together a schedule, and they're going to stick to it. They're going to show up to work. They're going to get their work done, and they're going to move on. And I promise you when they move on, they're not coming back three weeks later because they took a shortcut, and they got to fix something. It's not how they operate. They're going to do it right the first time and leave the competition behind. If your closet is cluttered, don't have the room you need, it's just not tailored for your wardrobe, your life, David Duvall and his team can help you fix it. And if you tell them the Hunt Palmer Show sent you, then he's not going to charge you for the rip out of the current closet or the labor to install the new one. Just going to charge you for the cost of that unit. OneBathandClosets.com is a website. Go to the website. Check out the testimonials. Check out the pictures, and you can request a free consultation right there at the website. It's OneBathandClosets.com. OneBathandClosets.com. Listening to Hunt Palmer on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. Got a question in the Bayou Ford chat a little earlier from listener Chris McCann said any words on tonight's starter versus Grambling? That'll be Christian Little on the mound, LSU and Grambling tonight, 6:30 p.m. from the box. I'll be on the call with Chris Blair. Pre-game show cranking up at six o'clock. Everyone, Eagle 98.1. Uh, the question was asked: Will he be available Thursday against Tennessee? I can promise you he will be. They're not going to burn anybody in this game tonight against Grambling that would compromise them in any way on Thursday against Tennessee. Um, it's just that game is massive, and this game is not, and you're likely going to score 16 runs tonight. So you're not going to push anybody pitching-wise to some sort of brink that would compromise them for games against a conference title contender 
in Tennessee when it's a Tuesday night against Grambling. Just not the way it works. I would expect to see Christian Little for an inning or two, no more than 30, 35 pitches or so. And if he needs to pitch on Thursday because Jay Johnson dubs him as the guy who's got to get uh, get big outs on Thursday, then that's the guy that they'll go to. Um, so it's it's one game is massive, one game is not, and you're massively favored in it. So uh, that'll be the way they handle things tonight. All right, Casey Gaines, let's play some take it or leave it. All right, starting things off here. Today is March 28th. Clowning the Falcons today, take it or leave it. <laughs> On 328 day, I uh, I won't be clowning the Falcons today on 328, but I'm certain that there will be plenty of Saints fans on Facebook and Twitter and all the like that will uh, will relish in that. I will say this like for sure. When I lived in Shreveport before I came down here, I certainly knew a lot of Saints fans. Um, I did not understand the level of dislike for Atlanta until I moved down here. I'm now very well versed in it. Um, I'm all here for it. I love dislike and hatred and rivalries in sports. You want to clown the Falcons all day today? You can have at it. I'm just might not join it. Home plate umpire Randy Rosenberg ejected JT Real Muto from a spring training game yesterday because when Rosenberg attempted to put a new baseball in Rio Muto's glove, the Phillies catcher accidentally moved the mitt, causing the ball to fall to the ground. <laughs> Take it or leave it. Ooh, I saw this one. This is uh, this was tough. I'm gonna have to leave it. Um, it was one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen an umpire or a referee or an official do in my entire life. This umpire held the ball out. Real Muto wasn't even looking at him and held his mitt open to catch the ball. When it didn't go into his glove, he kind of dropped his arm, and then the umpire dropped the ball and it fell. And I guess the umpire thought Real Muto was showing him up. Um, Mr. Umpire Randy Rosenberg... This is the final week of spring training. No one cares what's going on out on the field right now. Everyone's just trying not to pull a hamstring or tear a UCL. Please stop ejecting all-star players from spring training games because your feelings got hurt. This is so unbelievable on video. If you have not seen this, please go to YouTube or Twitter or somewhere and type in JT Real Muto ejected and see how ridiculous this is an umpire. This isn't easy for me. I don't know who's in charge of the umpires, whether it's the commissioner or the head of umpiring or whoever, but whoever that person is, I would bring young Randy into the room and say, hello, Randy, you're going to need to find employment elsewhere because I'm not going to let anyone who acts like that work for me, period. I'd like you to hand in your mask, hand in your clicker. We'll take the chest protector and the shiny black shoes. You can keep the blue shirt if you want to like hang it up in your room. But we're not going to allow you to work baseball games if you're going to be a child and throw a temper tantrum because the catcher moved his glove. End of discussion. One of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. All right, Hunt. Your Cubs signed Nico Horner to a three-year contract extension. The Cubs' front office is in win mode. Take it or leave it. I will take that. That was an encouraging thing. After not extending anybody, letting Rizzo walk, Bryant walk, Baez walk, couldn't re-sign Lester, didn't want him, they made no effort to keep really anybody that you had as cornerstones of your World Series team. And now it's a cheaper deal, and it's a short-term deal, and I get that it's not apples to apples, but I do think the Cubs' front office is spending some money. Ownership is spending some money. And I was thrilled to see Nico sign a three-year contract. He's now my uh, second baseman with Dansby Swanson taking over at short. Cubs crank things up on Thursday. It's going to be like 44 degrees at Wrigley. 
not going to be there, but it should be uh, should be good. I'm excited about it. And yes, I believe they are making an effort now to move forward and win over the next three or four years. LeBron James said he saw the LeBron James of foot doctors to nurse <laughs> him back to health quickly. Take it or leave it. <laughs> That's so such a statement. I mean, LeBron has come out and said, I think I'm the best player in the world. I think I'm the best of all time. Like he said a couple of those things. And quite frankly, I don't have a ton of issue with him saying that. He's put together an absolutely otherworldly career, one of the best players to ever live. And if you want to argue he's the best, I'm not going to sit here and fight you on it. Uh, the fact that he went to the links to say that the great foot doctor he went to is the LeBron James of foot doctor uh, really is uh, quite a statement. I, I I don't have foot problems at the moment, uh, but if I were to say that I went to the Hunt Palmer of foot doctors, I'd probably be likely to like lose my foot at that point uh so i don't have as much confidence in myself maybe as lebron does in in himself and uh you know i guess if he wants to go through life calling people that are great at their jobs the lebron james of this and that not the most humble look but i can't really disagree with him that's really the issue and uh it does kind of say a lot about the fact that lebron had such a significant injury and has done all this work in hyperbaric chambers and seeing the lebron james a foot doctor and he Pops back here in a couple of weeks, and he's going to play in the playoffs. And Zion like tried to run eight feet, and he's been out for three months. It's there's a little bit of a dichotomy there between the the healing and and regeneration power of the body. And uh, LeBron's just superhuman in a lot of different ways. So it is what it is, I guess. That's our uh, our Tuesday edition of Take It or Live It. Reminder: As I mentioned, I'll be on the call for LSU and Grambling tonight with Chris Blair. That means no sports trivia tonight at Plucker. So if you're one of those that uh, loves to swing on by for some sports trivia at 8.30, not tonight. Uh, we will be back next week. But I do encourage you very much to swing on by Pluckers before the game or during the game. If you don't really want to go out and watch LSU and Grambling, Pluckers will have it on. And certainly if you go out to the box and want to swing by and grab something cold to drink, something delicious to eat post-game, Pluckers can be your spot and should be your spot. Um, I just will not be there for sports trivia because we'll have some radio duties up there with the voice. Very much looking forward to that. I just, I'm trying to get to Thursday as quickly as possible. I'm looking forward to our show on Thursday. I'm looking forward to get to Rally Cap on Thursday. And I'm looking forward to getting out to the box to watch Chase Dolander and Paul Skeens pitch on Thursday. That, uh, that much I can very much promise you. If you missed any of our show today, you can catch it on demand, 1045ESPN.com's On Demand tab. All of our shows are there. You can click the Hunt Palmer Show. All the audio is archived right there. If you're more of a Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google person, those are always available options, as well as YouTube, where our full shows are archived each and every day. Thanks to you all for hanging out in the Bayou Ford chat. If you'd like to throw a like our way, we'd appreciate that very much. We'd also like it if you subscribe to the channel. It's right there under the video feed. I opened the show with some pretty powerful quotes from Jay Johnson on Garrett Edwards and Paul Skeens, talking about Edwards barely making the team, talking about what has made Paul Skeens great and taking the jump from Air Force to his role now at LSU. Previewed LSU and Grambling briefly at 115. Glenn West of Go247 always with us on Tuesdays. He was with us at 130. Jordan Wright from the Dunham School and Vanderbilt in the transfer portal. Does that make sense for LSU? My thoughts at the end of hour number one. I gave my grading to LSU uh, SEC basketball. All 14 teams got a grade at the top of hour number two. Saints added Jari Evans to the coaching staff. Pelicans winning ball games. Sharif Ishak with us at 230. That's all on demand. Jimmy Ott's game time, 6 to 8 tonight. Musso is going to drive you home on After Further Review. Math be back tomorrow. I'll be back tomorrow, too. Same time, same place. One to three weekdays right here on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. <laughs>